Hello lacrosse friends and welcome once again to Box La Beat, part of the Lacrosse Link family. I'm Stephen Stamp, your host. Very excited to have you with me and excited to welcome Randy Stotts back to Box La Beat. Randy has become a real ambassador and spokesperson for First Nations lacrosse players within the lacrosse community and beyond. We talk about a broad range of issues, touching on the Indigenous History Month series that he is part of with the National Lacrosse League. We talk about residential schools, what we can do to help to create better relations and a better situation for Indigenous people within North America. Uh, we talk about the World Games, the Olympics, the whole process of getting into those events and what it's taken, what it's going to take to keep moving forward. Uh, we talk about Turtle Island Lacrosse that Randy and Brendan Bomberry founded. Uh, we talk about the Six Nations Junior A team that he and Cody Jameson are putting back in the OLA to make sure there's a continued presence in Six Nations in Junior A Lacrosse, and we talk about the recent knee injury he suffered, how having dealt with knee injuries before is helping him, and what is new about dealing with it You know, a decade after he had his previous serious knee injuries, and just about the game of lacrosse and family life and what is going on with Randy Stotts, and it is really interesting. It's always interesting to talk to Randy Stotts. Really enjoyed it, and I hope you do as well here on Box the Beat. Joining me on Box La Beat is Randy Stotts. Uh, great to have you back on the show. It's always great to catch up and looking forward to this talk. Hey, Stamper. Thanks for having me. I wanted to start off talking about the Indigenous History Month series that the NLL is putting on. You, uh, you've become kind of a go-to guy for um, Indigenous, 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 why am I in trouble with that, issues um, in the lacrosse world. And uh, for good reason. I mean, you're obviously very uh, eloquent and and a very bright guy and very passionate. But what is this series? How did it come about? And you know, how'd you get involved with it? Um, you know, I, basically, then NLL just approached me and asked me, you know, uh, if I'd be willing to talk and, and share some stories. And then, you know, the uh, Cam Loops thing um, came came out, and then obviously. Now there's a whole bunch more that came out um, of different residential schools and different findings of, 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 of uh, bodies and stuff. So um, I, you know, I think it's, I, I think it's something I need to talk about and, you know, I, I like bringing these uh, issues to light because I, um, I think that they've been overlooked for so long. So um, it's, uh, I enjoy doing this. That's good. And what what is your role within the the NLL series? You're doing a, you did a conversation with someone in the league that's coming out, and then there's also I mean I know there's other stuff. The uh, some First Nations artists, and there's a, a series of of talks and things. But what's your your exact role? So my exact role, we basically just talked about um, residential schools uh, and you know the effects that it has on uh, First Nations communities till this day. Um, and I just, you know, go into how, you know, my, my family 
was affected by residential schools and, you know, uh, how it's overlooked, I guess, and whitewashed and not taught, taught in history. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I basically talked about that and, and, you know, they got like um, uh, designers, artists and, and different kinds of things to bring, you know, different sides of, of uh, First Nations culture to, uh, to light as well. Which is great because as much as it's important to talk about the residential schools, and I do want to go into that a bit. Um, you, you need to look at the positive sides as well. Uh, yeah, see exactly. the see the culture and, and not just focus on the bad. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. You know, there's a, there's a lot more to to uh, us uh, other than the you know the unfortunate um, happenings. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I I shared a while ago when when some other stuff was coming out about the residential school of history that uh, I was actually coaching a Canadian national team, national development team or junior team program called at a regatta called Canamex where it had the U S Canadian and Mexican crews would come together. And we were in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan for this regatta. This was in 2001. And uh, we actually were on uh, up just outside of Prince Albert on the, reserve land on the uh the first nations land and we were at what was once a residential school that had been given to the first nation in the area um to use as uh tribal offices and uh, for uh, for various you know whatever they wanted to do and we were welcomed by the first nation and by the leaders and so we were quite comfortable being there and and being in the building um, it's kind of messed up. <laughs> and it's pretty messed up, right? Like, it's, it's very, very weird. Up. And it was like, okay, because when you hear, you know, you're going to a residential school, it's like, holy crap. And then, it, but it was the First Nation that had it, and they'd kind of taken it back. And it was like, okay, well, if you're comfortable with it. But the crazy thing to me was, I, I honestly used to think, okay, residential schools, they were awful. They were a long time ago, but they were awful. That residential school that we were at had closed five years before we were there. That's wild, man. Which just, I honestly, I just, when I realized that, I just kind of burst into tears. Like how, you know, and I I don't know, like what you feel like from, from my perspective as a person who tries to be an ally. And I mean, I feel a lot of shame for what Canada has done to our indigenous population, you know, Kamloops and the ensuing discoveries you mentioned, just the tip of the iceberg, but feeling bad and sharing memes and raising awareness doesn't really help that much right so what can we actually do like and i don't mean that you have to have all the answers but what do you think that that people can do to help um you know one thing to go back i can't believe uh they gave the the residential school back as offices and expect native people to to be comfortable in in a in a setting like that you know that's that just blew my mind right there um yeah but um I think, you know, just educating yourself because you, you're you not going to hear this in a textbook or anywhere else. You know, I think it's diving into doing your own research and, and educating yourself on, you know, what actually happened um, because it, you look at it and it's basically a genocide of, of people um, trying to be themselves. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think just educating yourself and, you know, I think raising awareness like the posts and, and the the retweets and all that stuff is is also important because it it gets the message out there um even even further right so mm-hmm. i think those two things are huge and you know there's a lot of uncomfortableness talking about this type of thing but yeah. that uncomfortableness is is the truth and the truth needs to be you know discussed 
how have you found your voice? Because I mean, obviously, like you said, your family was affected by by the residential schools issue and the indigenous indigenous issues in North America are have been huge and, and they're becoming we're becoming more aware of them. But as a as a kid, it's probably not something that you really think about what your role is going to be, right? You're just a kid. You're just growing up. And then you, it seems like in the last few years, have really come into your voice. Yeah, I think what sparked it for me was uh, the Iroquois Nationals not getting invited um, to the to the World Games. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm all for equal and, and fairness, and that was kind of the the pushover point for me to you know, speak my mind and, and let people know what I thought, you know, I never really did that before. And I think that was, uh, the first part, the first start to, uh, you know, me speaking out on, um, uh, what I think is right for, um, issues that involve first nations people. And I I wanted to go into that topic, the, the world games and the Olympics. I mean, it was such a big issue and there's so much to it. I had a conversation along with uh, Terry Foy from inside the cross where we talked with some of the leaders of the Iroquois nationals and some of the folks who were working to get all the steps done that need to be done for the Iroquois to be included. And it's so, I mean, it was, it's so obvious for everyone looking at it to say, why would we even have this tournament? in, you know, half lacrosse in the world games, trying to get it in the Olympics if the Iroquois aren't involved, because it's just, it's just so obvious to those of us in the lacrosse community that the Iroquois should be part of it. But there's so many elements when you look at it as a bigger multi-sport issue, how much have you gotten into that side of things? And what do you see as the, the I guess the challenges going forward? Because there are steps that need to be, you know, boxes that need to be ticked on a like logistics side and not just the common sense side. Yeah. Um, as far as getting into the Olympics, is what you're talking about? Well, again, I mean, the World Games is still, I mean, I, I get it, we're Iroquois in the World Games now, but yeah. that took some steps. Not- and there's the ongoing process for the Olympics. Yeah. So I think, you know, obviously to get into the Olympics, you got to be accepted by the IOC. And mm-hmm. um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I never really knew before. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was pretty hands on last year last summer um uh, and you know i think there's i i don't really know what to say about that you know because there is so many hoops we have to jump through and obviously you know us not um i guess the world not considering us a a country or i I shouldn't say that sovereign um Mm -hmm. you know it, it makes it even more difficult so um you know we got the right leadership i think put in place to to help push the, push the envelope forward. And, um, you know, they have a lot of support as we can, as we've seen from the lacrosse community over the last, you know, year, year and a half now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, we just got to keep working towards uh, checking off those boxes. Yeah. And I mean, some of the boxes for anyone who's not familiar, um, a nation needs to have a national Olympic committee. So the Iroquois Nationals have to have it, not just for lacrosse, but for various sports. And I know there's been um, reaching out to other Indigenous athletes to to get involved from other sports. Um, there needs to be, like you said, international recognition of a sovereign nation. And, and the challenge, of course, is there, there are things like 
the Catalan community in, of Spain uh, that wanted to compete as a separate entity and, and were denied. And there are, there are precedents of populations trying to say, hey, we're sovereign, we want to compete as ourselves and not being allowed to. To me, the one thing that may make a big difference is what you were alluding to is there's such broad international support within the sport community, within the lacrosse community for the Iroquois, whereas I don't know if Catalan or some of the other places had that. Do you think that that helps in the process? Yeah, I'm not too sure about that certain situation, but, um, you know, it's like, Puerto Rico in the United States kind of, you know, it's yeah. basically, the, you know, an entity. I, I don't even know. I shouldn't even say that because I don't know that entire situation, but it, yeah. you know, it's basically, um, uh, I should say occupied, I guess, by, by the United States and they still have allowed to compete and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a different situation, and you know I respect and and you know honor the the character character of the Ireland people for you know um, seeing uh, what was going on and and you know doing what they did for us. Yeah, which uh, I'm not. I don't think we actually mentioned that yet, but um, you know Ireland was the the lowest seated team to have earned a spot in the world games for what was supposed to be this year. And is now going to be next year in Birmingham, Alabama and Ireland voluntarily stepped aside so that, because for the Iroquois to win, I think the agreement arose. Yes. The Iroquois should be in whose spot do they take there? We can't just add a team. So Ireland stepped aside. And the one thing about that whole situation, I think is eventually it probably would have come down to a decision. Ireland would have had to be told, you know what guys you may have to, not be here and i just think all the more credit to them for saying we're not going to force anyone to send us out of this we're not going to make anyone make an uncomfortable decision we'll make that decision and yeah just because it's the right thing to do yeah and i think you know that sets a precedent right there mm -hmm. um for you know the rest of the the countries you know i think you know that character and, and that um the i don't even know what to call it the um in the just the ability to recognize what was what was going on and to do the right thing i guess you know um but at the same time um i i, I don't think they should have been put in that situation yeah um which really kind of bothered me a bit um because that's kind of a a, a crappy thing to to do you know um it wasn't their fault it wasn't anybody else's fault so um yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have on that. Yeah, the you know we talked earlier about there's there's such the the heavy stuff and the you know so many difficult issues to talk about that we need to talk about. But it's so nice that there are positive sides. And one of the things coming out of this to me is like all the the crossover Ireland Iroquois gear, like you know blending the green and yeah. the purple and the I, it's pretty cool. There's some really neat stuff coming out of that. Yeah, it looks pretty cool, and you know it's. I think, you know, that we just built a, a, a massive ally and a massive friendship that, you know, hopefully we can, they can come to the reserve, um, our different territories, and, you know, we can go out there and, and share culture and traditions and share the game. The other thing when it comes to the Olympics that I think is important to keep in mind is that uh, you're, you're turning 29 this year. You're still um, pretty much in the prime of your career. 
And in when the Olympics come around in 2028, if we get in for the those LA Olympics, you'll be 35 that summer. There's a ton of young Iroquois talent coming along. <laughs> That's um, scary. So, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, I'm oh, sorry. I, I think about how old I'm going to be when the Olympics come. Trust me, it's really scary. But uh, there's a lot of talent. I, I think, you know, you've obviously still got a great chance to be be involved. But to me, like, that's not really the issue, right? Like I, I totally get, you're not doing this for you. This isn't about you. No. This is about the broader native community. Yes. And, you know, I, I had this conversation with, I think it might've been Warren Hill or somebody. Um, we talked about how powerful, you know, the Iroquois nationals um, voices mm-hmm. and, you know, it speaks volumes and it gets to, um, you know, different levels of, of the news and stuff, just one, one lacrosse team, you know? So, um, for me putting on that Jersey, it's not just representing, you know, me and my family. I think it's much bigger than that. Um, which it is. I'm my, uh, my fiance Carrie and I are taking the, the Alberta native studies course. That, oh, are you? Uh, was yeah, yeah. We got partway through it, and then we kind of stalled with pandemic stuff. We're going to get back to it and finish it up. But and I mean, it's obviously just giving us a, a scraping of the surface of of the all the issues. But one of the things that really stuck out to me was um, talking. They talk about the the seven generations approach uh, that our First Nations peoples take of looking back seven generations and ahead seven generations. When you consider your actions, when you think about what you should do in a situation be like, how will this impact what's been before and how will it impact what comes next? And that I was really thinking about, thinking about, you know, a lot of these folks like yourself who are, who are driving for this to happen may not bear all the fruits of it down the road, but it's, again, it's not just about one generation, right? Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, uh, to understand, um, you know, our, our culture and our, who we are as people, you know, you got to take a deeper look into our our beliefs and our values, um, you know, like that, because I think a lot of people get caught up in, uh, you know, the present and worried about, you know, what's going to benefit them now. Um, And then in the future, they don't see what's going to, you know, long-term for their kids and grandchildren and and their grandchildren, you know? So um, that's something that, you know, our people uh, have always um, took into account, which is pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it is a really, I, I would advocate anyone to go do the course. I think it is really interesting. And again, it's just a, you know, it's just a diet getting into the surface of it, but that's the start, right? Exactly. <laughs> Got to start somewhere. You know? Right. I want to talk about Turtle Island Lacrosse. Um, yep. You and Brendan Bomberry founding it. Uh, what's it all about? What are your goals? What are you guys doing? Yeah. You know, so basically for us, it was to uh, educate natives and non-native people on on where the game comes from um you know us being Haudenosaunee uh we feel that it's important to share our experiences and and break the stereotypes that you know some people may have on uh on us um the other thing was to you know mentor young kids um native and non-native you know there's a lot of obviously as you know lacrosse players in six nations and other reserves that i don't really know and i think it's important you know me and bomber think it's important for us as as pro players and as role models to you know get to know them and and 
kind of be a mentor to them and, and do camps and, and have fun stuff available for them. Um, so that's basically, you know, what we tried to do with that. And it's been working out great. Um, you know, we've, <laughs> we've had some, um, pretty good things going over the last year. Uh, it actually hasn't been a year. We launched in, uh, September. So it's been, uh, been a couple wild 10 months or so, but, um, you know, we've, uh, we're enjoying what we're doing. Nice. And I mean, Brendan is doing a lot of, a lot of things. He's an author as well. Uh, he and, <laughs> and Brenner Jacobs, right. Putting out a yeah. super cool book that's getting winning awards and getting all kinds of attention. Yeah. I, you know, I, I didn't think Bomber would ever be writing a book, but, uh, you know, that book is, is awesome. I was at, uh, Jordan McIntosh's house the other day and it was sitting on the table. So I, you know, flipped through it again. Yeah. Um, you know, they did such a great job with that. Yeah. I mean, Brendan, Brendan is somebody that a lot of people do know. Great dude. But Brenner Jacobs, I think a lot of people don't know as well. He hasn't played at as high a level. I mean, he was on a, you know, six nations chiefs teams that won man cups. He was the third goalie. So you didn't really see yeah. him unless you're around the team. He's played in arena league. He's played in it. He's played all over. He's a, he's a good goalie, but yeah. not hasn't played at the same level, but, but he is quite an impressive young man. Like just, what he does around the game and around just his life. I, he's a guy I'd love to bring more attention to as well. Yeah. He, uh, I, we're the same age. So we kind of grew up together um, playing on and off uh, lacrosse together. So um, yeah, he, uh, he definitely has um, definitely has a love for the game and, and wants to promote the game any way he can, you know, and you know, anyone in that that has that kind of passion is it, it's awesome to see. Yeah. What am I, I have to quickly tell my, maybe my favorite Brenner Jacobs story in 2013, I went out to the man cup with the chiefs doing uh, media for a major series lacrosse. And, uh, you know, so I'm there at all the, all the shoot arounds back at the hotel, you know, for all the functions, whatever, like just involved in, in most of the stuff going on. And Brenner was like the ideal third goalie. He would be the first guy on the floor, the last guy off the floor, taking all the shots anybody ever wanted, um, who ever needed to shoot. He was out there for them while the regular goalies could go, you know, the starters, um, Evan Kirk and Brandon Miller could go and do what they needed to do to prepare. So one of the things that came about was he's there one day, end of shoot around, and a couple of guys just wanted to keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting. So he's out. By the time they get out, pretty much everyone's dressed and ready to go. They're hopping in the rental cars and off they go. Um, so Brenner, being a goalie, takes him a bit longer. They leave. Everybody goes, lock up the change room. He's in the change room, locked in. And he can't, he can't get out and he's trying to phone. He can't get a signal with his phone. So he told me after he was like standing on one of the benches, holding his, his phone up by a little window to try and get some signal. Cause it's just concrete <laughs> wall. And he eventually got hold of somebody and they came back and, and let him out. It's like oh, life man. of a third, third string goalie. Eh? <laughs> I think I heard that story before. <laughs> Probably. I would think so. Cause you've played with a lot of guys, the guys that left him there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh, Brenner, what a beauty. That's crazy. Um, I want to talk about the Six Nations Junior A team a bit. Obviously, a big controversy with the Arrows leaving for the Tuareton Lacrosse League and, you know, some confusion about how that could even happen and what was going to happen back in Six Nations. And then Cody Jameson and yourself stepped up and, and said, we're going to have a team and we're going to run it. Cody is the governor and you've stepped in as uh, uh, to work alongside him. What kind of how did that evolve and what was important for you 
to get involved there? Um, honestly, just the, what was the most important was just not letting a team, a team leave, um, to compete for the mental cup, you know, uh, growing up watching the Peter Burrell six nation series or being a part of the six nations, Orangeville six nations with series is, you know, that, uh, that camaraderie you make with your friends and, and the guys and representing the community of six nations and having the community rally around you. I didn't want that to go away. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, jammer, Cody obviously felt um, he, he stepped up in a big way, basically um, threw himself at it. And, you know, he asked me to, to help him out. And I said, no problem, you know? Um, so that's kind of how it started. We, we just feel very strongly about the, the team and we've had a lot of good memories that we'll never, um, never, we'll, you know, we'll never relive again and we'll never forget. So, um, we kind of want that for the next generation of kids and, and to keep that for our community. My next question I had prepared was what do you see as the best case scenario for things to play out for the players? But you've, I think you've kind of answered that, but having the opportunity to play for a mental cup to have that same experience. Yeah. I, I think that's the biggest thing, right? I, you know, we, when you think of lacrosse and six nations, it's either the six nations arrows or, or the chiefs. And to have that, I guess, gone gone away and not competing against, you know, the Orangevilles or or the St. Catharines or, you know, everyone in the OLA, I, we didn't feel like that was um, right. Um, you know, I, I have no issues, you know, with starting a new league and, and stuff like that. You know, the more opportunity for more kids to play, the better, in, in my mind. Um, but also in, in the same breath, you know, I think it's also right to, to have these, um, the same opportunity in the, in the, what's been in uh current, current league in the OLA. In terms of your, I mean, we've talked about a bunch of things, you know, you're involved with the NLL Indigenous History Month, <laughs> um, the Turtle Island Lacrosse, the World Games and Olympics, the Arrow, the Arrows Six Nations Junior A, the, you know, so many things that you're, you're getting involved in and, uh, and still, you know, playing lacrosse and keeping yourself in shape to play. And uh, I'm just uh, curious, like, do you ever get just tired of the the activist side or the the being an ambassador because i think you're a great ambassador for the sport of lacrosse for first nations people for anyone that you're representing but there are times it's got to be tired you just want to go and play with your two little girls and <laughs> just get away from it are you, are you getting the chance or you, you know how are you managing that balance um that's a good question you know i think that's the part of of me um living my life is learning how to uh how to balance and, you know, something that, that I've been working on, <laughs> you know, sometimes there's, there's nights where I, I'm some meetings till like nine o'clock, but you know, the weekends I try to just shut it right down and, and take time with my girls and, you know, go, go walk and, and play and, and do all the, the things that, that they want to do. So um, it's, uh, it's fun though, you know, it keeps me busy and it keeps me uh, kind of pushing forward. And I think it also, you know, I like them, watching me, you know, um, I guess set an example for them. Um, and you know, I, it kind of pushes me to keep doing more. 
Nice. I'm glad to hear that you're getting that chance. You're managing to make that because it is, it can be so easy to just think, well, this is an important thing. I need to just do this. And then I'll spend the time with kids and over the family. And it's like you said, for all of us in life, it's finding that balance. And it sounds like it's working out okay so far. Yeah, so far, so good. You know, it's uh, definitely a work in progress. I want to talk about the lacrosse side. We've been talking about sort of the off-floor and off-field stuff a lot, but I want to talk about how things are going for you. Obviously, uh, most people have heard you, you injured your left knee. Um, My it's right the left one. Your right one. It's the left one before. Yeah. Right. So I'm curious what, you know, how it's going, how the rehab is, what, uh, what the process is that you're going through. So, yeah, you know, I'm in uh, Boston right now, um, getting seen by uh, the Patriots and, and Bruins do- surgeons and doctors. So it's been, uh, it's been pretty good, you know, um, just been doing a lot of prehab. I get surgery next week. So just getting my legs strong uh, again and, you know, hopefully to have a easier and better recovery, you know, after surgery. So I just been grinding away at that and, um, just kind of taking it as is, you know, it's been 10 years since my other, uh, injury. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'm kind of didn't think I was going to relive this, but you know, it is what it is. So nothing to do now, but, um, get better and get on, get back on the floor. Do you sort of feel like, I mean, coming because you had it, the other knee twice as a junior missed seasons and, you know, so you're coming into the league, uh, the question obviously is going to be, Hey, how, how's that going to hold up? And like you said, it's been 10 years. It's held up pretty well. And it, it, this doesn't seem related to that one. So it, it's a bit more of just, it just happened. Things happen. Yeah. So um, you must feel pretty good that you got through those 10 years staying as healthy as you did. Yeah. You know, I think any year or any time, you know, health is health is key, yeah. man, because it can be taken away at any time. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's, um, you know, it's crazy to see that some guys go, you know, without their whole career, you know, with minor injuries or, you know, play, play through, play through it injuries. And, you know, that, that's awesome. So, um, yeah, man, I think the 10 years that I had, it was, uh, it was, it was an eventful 10 years and, you know, hopefully I can add, uh, 10 to 15 more years on, on this other one. Perfect. And I've talked to some guys who have had, gone through this more than once uh one of them your brother austin and some other guys and and one of the things i I seem to recall austin saying was in some ways it was it was easier going through the rehab and the whole process because you've gone through you kind of know what to expect and in some ways it's harder because you know it's going to be hard you know you can come out the other side you know you can do it but you also know the how difficult the process can be so where's the balance in that? Like how much does it help knowing what you've gone through and you're going through and how much you just wish you were kind of nice and naive and innocent about the whole thing? Yeah, I think it's a definitely a mental battle. Um, you know, right now I was, I was just playing two weeks ago, you know, I was playing pretty well and watching the Instagram videos and stuff like that. It's like, Oh man, I wish I could be out there. Um, but you got to stay at the, at the task at hand and, and just battle through um, what's what's upon us or what's upon me. You know, I think uh, being through this before, you know, 10 years is kind of a long time. Mm-hmm. And I was, a, I was a lot younger then. And, you know, my, my mind now compared to then is a total 360. So I'm interested to see myself <laughs> and uh, w- what's going to happen. But, you know, I'm prepared to, to work uh, – 
as hard as I need to work or even harder to, to get back out there. The one thing for me hearing that it happened, I, when I, when I heard, I, I was pretty crushed for you because I know how hard you worked the last time to come through. And I saw how well you were playing and I, Watching you like in the last NLL season that was able to happen. I mean, you're on track statistically. Everything looked great. You're on track to hit 100, hit 100 points for the first time. Um, not and not to take anything away from Lyle Thompson, who is obviously, if not the best player on the planet, one of them. I felt like the way you were playing, you were as important to that offense as Lyle was and as Shane Jackson was. You were. I thought you were playing, just making things happen, playing at the, the best you've ever played at that point. And I'm curious how confident how 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 much that helps thinking hey i'm still i'm right at the top of my game so i come i can come back and be there and how confident you are to come back at that level again yeah that's the tricky part right you know covid really messed things up so basically i'll be out for two two years two and a half years fully um of not playing in the nll basically right yeah so it's uh I think, you know, it'll be a mental battle. There'll be a lot of film that I'll be watching once I get closer to it. And I think just getting comfortable, um, you know, with the timing and, and, and the space and my trusting my leg and stuff. Um, but I think, I think I, you know, I always, you know, I don't know, but I can always hope and, 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 and work towards being the player that I, that I know I can be and that I want to be. The one thing you mentioned earlier seems to really play in here saying, you know, it was 10 years ago. You're a lot younger. You've, you've just figured things out as we all do. You're, you know, you're, you're smarter, you're wiser, you're more experienced. And that's got to help in terms of, like you said, getting back to the, you know, studying tape better, knowing mentally what to do to help yourself get back to it. Yeah. 100%, man. I think if you asked me this question 10 years ago, uh, the answer would be, uh, way different than it is now. Um, so I think, you know, I got, I got a, a good support system around me, you know, my family's around me and, you know, they know how much I want, uh, to be back out there and they know how much I love the game. So, um, nothing really that people can say or do, but, you know, it's all on me and it's all about the work I put into uh, to get back playing. I really appreciate you taking the time. It's always great to uh, great to catch up and, you know, haven't had a chance to see you for a while. So that's it's fun getting together over the you know, over Zoom and having yeah. a chat. And, and I will say that one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you because we were talking about some pretty serious, pretty heavy issues. But I know from our conversations in the past and just knowing you as a person that that you've you do have as much as you, you know you say we're and we're all trying to find the balance i feel like you've got a good balance that so you're having fun you're gonna it sounds like your girls want you to go play and you're gonna go do that i'm sure <laughs> Can you know, hear them? sorry uh, yeah no that's fine actually it's it's kind of the the pandemic lifestyle like everyone's families are involved and i think it's not a bad thing but yeah. um you know i just i just appreciate the time and i, I just certainly wish you the best but i want to say it is you know i knew that we'd be able to have some fun and enjoy the conversation even though we were talking about all the heavy stuff, which is important. Yeah. I, you know, I, I appreciate you having me. And I think there is some, there is some things that need to be said and, you know, they're, they're uncomfortable conversations that don't have to be awkward or anything. You know, we can still have some fun with it. So I'm, I'm glad it happened. Thanks so much for coming on. And I certainly wish you, as I said, all the best in the recovery and 
hope you uh, really get to enjoy the time with the family and come back. And I can't wait to see lacrosse in general. And I can't wait to see you on the floor once again. Thanks, Stamper. That will just about wrap things up for this episode of Box of the Beat. I wanted to really focus on this conversation with Randy Stotts. I think it's an important one. I really enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed that we were able to address and tackle the serious issues, but also enjoy the conversation, have some some fun and some humor, and that's what you get with uh, with Randy. He's a, he is a terrific guy, and I think, as I mentioned, a very good ambassador for the game of lacrosse and for First Nations people within and beyond the lacrosse community. So I thank him for coming on the show once again. Uh, There's a lot more going on in the world of lacrosse and you can find it all at lacrosselink. Go to lacrosselink.com. We have the weekly video show. We've got news on the site. We're covering everything, men's, women's, international, North American, uh, field, box, at all levels. So go to lacrosselink.com. Please make sure you also subscribe to Boxel Beat so you can keep getting the best of lacrosse podcasting directly to you wherever you hear your lacrosse podcast or sorry wherever you hear all your podcasts and please do share please do feel free to spread the word i want lots of people to hear this conversation and of course i would love to have you all back next week as we continue on box the beat i'm steven stamp your host thanks for being with me lacrosse friends we'll see you soon